Welcome to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, welcome to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have you with us on this wonderful day. We're with Docs in a Pod every week talking about a variety of medical issues. And we are on podcast as well as over the air on some radio stations. The award-winning Docs in a Pod, happy to have you with us. Our co-host today is Olivia Rahman. Olivia works at the WellMed at Ninth Avenue Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. She is a nurse practitioner. Olivia earned her nursing degree from Florida State University in Tallahassee. Also earned her master's degree with honors in nursing at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Olivia is board certified in family practice. She previously received a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Florida State University. Olivia has worked uh, prior to going to nursing school as a teacher in a middle school and was part of the National Teach for America program. And Olivia, great to have you with us again. Oh, it's glad to be glad to be back, Ron. Well, thank you. And I assume, because we're going to talk in just a moment uh, with somebody who knows a lot about this, uh, you encourage your patients to get vaccinated against the flu, against COVID-19, et cetera. Oh, I sure do. You know, there's always going to be exceptions, but for the most part, uh, vaccination is the answer. Well, we're delighted to welcome now Dr. Michael Amali, an Air Force veteran. He is one of the founders of the Specialist for Health Cardiology team at Wellman Medical Management, specializing in senior care for patients. Dr. Amali graduated from Boston University Medical School. He's board certified in internal medicine, cardiovascular disease, nuclear cardiology, and cardiovascular CT. He also has advanced training in congestive heart failure, heart transplantation, and pacemaker defibrillation implantation and management. And as a side note, waiving any HIPAA protections I might have, he installed a pacemaker in my little furry chest. So, Michael, it's great to have you on. It's nice to be here, Ron. Nice to talk to you again. And not good. My pacemaker is still working away, and I appreciate you putting it in me. Talk I'm to so me glad. about. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, talk to me about vaccinations, because as a Wellman medical management patient myself, uh, my PCP always encourages me and other patients to get vaccinated against a variety of diseases. First of all, uh, the 411, what are vaccinations? Yeah, good question, Ron. So, uh, you know, a vaccine um, is essentially an introduction to the body of some sort of foreign material with the goal of a, a, of causing an immune response that would then protect you against an infection at some later time. That's essentially what a vaccine does. And they've been around for a long time, haven't they? Absolutely. So, you know, original vaccine, this is something that scientists have uh, realized and learned about really hundreds of years ago, that if you um, introduced um, an organism or part of an organism or something into the body to elicit an immune response that you then could see that uh, patient uh, or, or subject um, less susceptible to infections, whether it's a similar infection, a similar organism, or the same organism at some point uh, down the line. And so um, really before we even understood um, 
virology or bacteriology, we understood how the, the fact that vaccines did work. We didn't know why they worked at first, but we did see that they provided that type of protection. Obviously, now we know so much more about vaccines and about um, about microbiology than we did, you know, even just you know 30, 40 years ago. Um, and it's it's really amazing. Um, that uh, the discoveries so long ago really still apply today. You're a cardiologist. What got you interested in vaccines? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that the subject of immunology um, and infectious disease is is probably fascinating for most healthcare professionals. I always, in addition to, car- I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm a, a student of medicine, and I, I really enjoy studying all areas of medicine. Um, I've always been fascinated with infectious disease and vaccinations uh, specifically. It's really one of the, I think, one of the most amazing achievements in modern medicine uh, of you know what we've been able to do in terms of uh, on large scale population based prevention of diseases. It's 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 really miraculous. Now, when we think of vaccinations, I I think as well of antibiotics, which work against bacteria, I believe, but not viruses. What about vaccines? Do they work against both? Yeah, well, you know, we we have um, we have antibiotics that treat uh, bacterial infections. We also do have antivirals, and they can, uh, you know, to to varying degrees, either control or treat viral infections as well. Um, in terms of vaccines, yeah, vaccines um, can be and are developed for. Um, different types of organisms, whether it be viruses or bacteria. Now, a lot of the vaccines that we currently give in the United States, probably the majority of them are against viruses, but we definitely vaccinate uh, against a number of bacterial infections as well. A lot of attention paid in recent years to the COVID-19 vaccine, trying to do something about the pandemic. Uh, It began with a vaccine uh, developed in what I gather was a record amount of time very quickly developed. But what are the differences now in developing vaccines versus uh, the old way? Well, you know, I, I think if you look at every area of, um, of our life um, and how technology has progressed, um, you know, you and I are, are talking right now um, through a type of technology that didn't exist 20 years ago. We, you know, uh, we have phones and computers and, and this is just really amazing things compared to what we had available 20 to 30 years ago. And, and the progress in terms of vaccine development is, is similar. You know, we, there's no reason to think that science hasn't progressed in that area as well. And it really has. Um, the vaccines um, that we, um, most of the vaccines that we're using against COVID-19 um, are um, based on a, an mRNA platform. And the, basically, that is uh, just a uh, type of vaccine uh, that relies on the production of a small particle that can be used to create a spike protein, which is uh, what our body responds to. Um, and we can develop that mRNA particle very, very quickly, and we can change it very, very quickly. It used to be that when we developed vaccines, we would actually have to grow the vaccines to some degree or another. We don't have to do that now. We, through recombinant uh, uh, genetic technology, we can actually create our own vaccines um, very, very quickly. It's, you know, the science is amazing. Now, for those of you who may have just joined us, you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our very special guest today, Dr. Michael Amali. Our co-host today is uh, Olivia Raman, who was a nurse practitioner, and we're talking about 
vaccines, what they are, why they work, where you get them, and how often you need them. On COVID-19, Dr. Amali, it began essentially while two different companies uh, were producing that vaccine. It began with a vaccine. Now there are multiple boosters and changes that have been made. What's going on? Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's not as confusing as you might think, Ron. So, you know, originally we had the development of uh, multiple vaccines around the world. We saw many, many companies trying to develop and bring to market these COVID-19 vaccines. Um, really, there were four of them that reached us in the United States, which is the Pfizer, the Moderna, the, uh, the Johnson & Johnson, and the Novavax. And, and they all made it here. We don't give the J&J vaccine anymore, but we do continue to give the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the Novavax vaccine. Um, and, and, you know, we see in other, um, the treatment or the prevention of other infectious diseases as well, there are, you know, we'll talk about maybe flu in a few minutes, but um, there are multiple flu vaccines that are available as well. Um, we, we want to see that, right? We want to see uh, different manufacturing companies trying to improve and compete and improve and create the best vaccine that they possibly can. That's really in, in the best interest of our public health. Um, it is not surprising that we see the evolution of the COVID-19 vaccine. It would be weird if we didn't. The virus mutates. Um, and so our vaccine has to evolve as well. Um, and so we now have, as I mentioned, we have three vaccines for COVID-19 in the U.S., which is the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the Novavax. Um, we're not using terms like boosters anymore, okay? So we're not really giving a booster. We have a brand new 2023-2024 updated COVID-19 vaccine. This updated COVID-19 vaccine can be produced by Pfizer, Moderna, or Novavax, and that's just the vaccine. So if you've never been vaccinated for COVID-19 and you're an adult, you get a, a shot of one of these new updated vaccines. Uh, if you've been vaccinated for COVID-19 and you're an adult and you haven't had a recent vaccine, you will also get this new updated vaccine. But I no longer would refer to it as a booster. Um, I, it's just the new updated vaccine. And it makes the vaccine schedule very, very easy. Are we moving to a, a vaccination for COVID-19 annual the way we do with flu? Yeah, I believe that that is kind of where we're going to be. You know, if, if you look at what's happened since the beginning of the pandemic, um, we, um, you know, we did a, a vaccine series early on and then we had a booster and then we had a different booster. Um, that as the virus mutated and the boosters and the vaccines changed, um, uh, a couple of times in there, you might have been, we might have recommended that you get a booster more often than once a year. I think we've now settled into a cadence of probably once a year around probably a similar time to when we start giving flu shots, which means I expect, I can't say for sure, but I expect that we will develop um, the uh, an updated COVID-19 vaccine in the spring and summer, and it'll be released, um, you know, kind of at the end of summer or in the fall every year. I can't tell you that for sure, but that's that's the way it looks like. Uh, that's where we look like we're going right now. Uh, I guess it's no surprise that that COVID-19 virus has mutated. Uh, and I, I gather it will continue to do so. Yeah. And I think, Ron, I think you and I talked about this uh, in depth at an earlier uh, podcast or, or conversation. Um, the point being that um, viruses mutate. This is what they do. This is how they're effective. Um, all viruses mutate. Uh, you have to imagine that when a virus infects, when a person is infected with a virus, 
That virus is going to replicate billions, if not hundreds of billions of times in a person, in a host. Um, and anytime you replicate something billions and billions and billions of times, you're going to make mistakes. But it's those mistakes that introduce variability into the virus. And that variability in the virus is what keeps the virus from kind of evading our immune system. So we're wow. constantly in struggle with the virus where we're where our immune system is adjusting. And at the same time, the virus is adjusting to evade our immune system uh, as well. And that's, you know, that that is what promotes these mutations. Stay with me. We're going to come right back to you. And I want to talk about flu as well. We're talking with Dr. Michael Amali. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Susan Raman, a nurse practitioner. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Drew Pearson from our friends at WellMed. The right Medicare coverage is important, so is selecting the right doctor. Choosing a WellMed doctor in a Medicare Advantage plan is a great choice. With over 30 years' experience caring for older adults on Medicare, WellMed doctors practice coordinated, compassionate primary care. It's prevention with a personal touch. A WellMed doctor in Medicare Advantage coverage. Why? Because your health matters. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesman. Learn more today, 855-575-2188. We're so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Docs in a Pod, the award-winning podcast available over the air on radio, as well as a podcast which you can find wherever you choose to get your podcasts. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host today, Olivia Raman, who is a nurse practitioner, and Dr. Michael Amali, cardiologist, and uh, our special guest today talking about vaccines and vaccinations. And Olivia, uh, what kind of questions do you get from your patients? about vaccines? Oh, so the most common questions I feel like I get are whether the vaccines are going to make the patients sick. There's a a large misconception that getting a vaccine, for instance, the flu shot is giving you the flu and then people get sick from it. It's more so an immune response, but people really think they get the flu from the flu shot. Um, Other misconceptions we've been hearing a lot with COVID, people are asking, is this vaccine changing my DNA? Um, And then another question I get is, why do I need to get these vaccines? I never get sick. So um, some people you really need to have a long discussion with. I would love to know um, what you would tell your patients, Dr. Molly, when they seem a little hesitant to get their vaccines. I think those are all really important questions. Um, so let, let's talk about those real quickly. Um, you know, so the first thing that you asked is, can I get the flu from a flu shot? And I think that's a great question. You cannot get the flu from the majority of the flu shots that we give. So all the flu shots that we promote are essentially inactivated viruses or inactivated flu shots. Inactivated basically means dead. So we're giving person but but viruses aren't really alive so we use the term inactivated in other words they can't replicate in your body but they generate an immune response well when they generate that immune response your body sees a foreign substance and it will react and that reaction is what you feel so you may feel tired and weak you may even have a little bit of a fever you may have a little bit of chills you may feel achy that's good that means that your body generated a strong immune response 
against the flu. But the nice thing is that vaccine that we gave you can't replicate. So you can't get pneumonia. You can't get lung symptoms. You can't get respiratory symptoms. But you can get what we call constitutional symptoms, kind of feeling cruddy for 24 to 48 hours. Um, but but the benefit is so much greater than, than you know having to deal with a little bit of feeling under the weather for, for 24 to 48 hours. So that, that, but that's a great question. The other thing that you, the other question that you mentioned is, well, why should I get it if I never get sick? And I often tell my patients, it's very similar to what they say to, you know, when a patient says to me, well, why should I wear my seatbelt? I haven't been in an accident yet. And the fact of the matter is the, the purpose of the vaccine is to prevent you from getting something that could significantly hurt you in the future, right? So if you get a bad flu, infection. If you are over the age of 65 and have multiple comorbidities and you get the flu, that one time you get the flu could be enough to kill you. So we want to prevent it before it happens. And anybody can get sick. Anybody is susceptible. So just because you've been lucky in the past and haven't gotten uh, infected doesn't mean you won't be in the future. And so it's really important that you get your flu shot. Now, Michael, you used a term that uh, we hear a lot, but I don't know that everybody understands it. What does comorbidity mean? Yeah. So a comorbidity is a a condition, a medical condition or an illness that exists, that it's already there, that may make you more susceptible to a severe reaction from that uh, infection. So for instance, um, if, you, if, if you have a comorbidity, it might be diabetes or might be high blood pressure, uh, might be COPD. Um, those would be in, uh, pre-existing conditions that if you were to have one of those, might really put you at risk for a severe outcome from one of these respiratory infections. Let's talk about flu for a moment, because while it's January 2024, and, and uh, we were advised to get a flu shot every year, September, October, is it too late to get a flu shot? So no, I don't think it's too late. Ideally, our patients would have received a flu shot at the beginning of the fall. Um, and so by the end of October, everybody should have received the flu shot. But we still are seeing uh, um, a very high number of cases. If you look at influenza-like activity across the country right now, you know people that are coming in with respiratory symptoms into their doctor or their emergency room, it's a lot of flu. Um, and so a flu shot can protect you, um, relatively protected, protect you from getting sick, but you can still get sick after getting the flu shot. But the real benefit is if you do get sick, you're not going to get really sick. You're not going to be hospitalized. You're very, very, uh, very much unlikely to have one of those really severe um, uh, reactions to the influenza virus. Um, and so we're not just trying to prevent you from getting sick. We're trying to prevent those, those you know, hospitalizations and people dying from the infection. Now, we're told in the news every year there are different types of flu that's flying around. Uh, and that flu vaccine uh, is aimed at protecting what should be uh, the maximum exposure to flu, uh, but it may not protect you against the flu you get. Uh, is there a way to build a vaccine that protects against every flu? Well, remember, as we said, this virus multiplies and multiplies billions of times in each person, and then it spreads from person to person very quickly. So when a vaccine is being developed, we don't actually exactly know what that virus is going to look like by the time it spreads across the population. We can get pretty close, and we have a lot of very smart people that use models to predict what is going to be the predominant strain of flu each year. Now, we will um, give vaccines that are um, often what we call quadrivalent. In other words, they're, they're designed to attack multiple strains of the flu. 
So if we miss it on one, we kind of get it on the other. Um, but the fact is, is that we're, we're never going to be 100% effective at preventing flu because there all, are all these different strains and the flu virus is really, really good at evading our immune system. But the nice thing is, is that even if we're only 50 to 60, 70% effective at preventing the flu, we're even, we're, we're very protective or, or effective at preventing those severe outcomes like hospitalization, pneumonia, and, and death. And that's really what our goal is. And if you haven't gotten a flu shot or your COVID vaccine, can you do both at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you, you definitely can. And, and again, as you mentioned, it's a little late for flu vaccines in the flu season, but it's not too late. And if you haven't got it, I still would get it. As long as that vaccine is available and it's still going to be available for a little while, go out and get it. Because it's, like I said, we're seeing a lot of influenza right now. Um, and this, the flu shot will protect you. COVID, definitely go ahead and get your COVID shot if you're not up to date on your COVID shot. Um, that's, that's, you know, for almost everybody, it's a no-brainer. And for those who are Medicare eligible, age 65 and over, uh, I know that there's a so-called super flu shot. Is that something that's recommended? It's got more juice in it? Well, okay. So there are multiple, as we mentioned before, there's a lot of companies that make flu shots and there are multiple different flu shots out there. But there are three that we generally recommend for those individuals who are over the age of 65. Um, that is the uh, flu zone, which is a high dose quadrivalent. So attacks four different types of flu and it's a higher dose flu shot. Um, and then there is a flu ad, which is a um, flu shot that actually has a little bit of a, a uh, medicine in it to help boost the response to that flu shot. Um, and then there is one called uh, uh, flu block, which is a recombinant uh, flu shot as well. And so those three, the flu zone, the flu ad, and the flu block are what we generally recommend for individuals over the age of 65. But if you can't get one of those, then any of the flu shots are, are, are indicated. And these days, you can almost get a flu shot standing on a street corner. Uh, pharmacies across the country give them, uh, uh, clinics like uh, Wellman Medical Management's clinics give them. Uh, does it matter to you where you get your flu shot? Nope, it doesn't matter. It just matters that you get it as soon as possible. And then there's a newer vaccine that's out uh, that attacks something called RSV. Uh, I knew that as a parent, something you worry about for a kid. Is RSV something adults should worry about too? Yeah, so that, you know, RSV is something that we, we've always talked about as a pediatric illness, but I think that more recently over the past several years, we have begun to appreciate how much RSV actually affects our senior population, especially those with those comorbidities that we talked about, you know, individuals that have heart disease or lung disease or neurologic disease, kidney disease, liver disease, they're especially susceptible. And so while in the past, RSV has been kind of a pediatric illness that we've talked about, we're now really seeing that it actually is a very severe disease uh, for a lot of individuals over the age of 65. We've got less than two minutes left. And before we leave, Dr. Molly, uh, what are some of the other vaccines uh, we should consider uh, getting? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, you know, everybody should be up to date on their tetanus shot. If you haven't had a tetanus shot, we, we, we recommend a booster every 10 years. Um, hepatitis, especially for individuals who may be at risk, uh, we can vaccinate against hepatitis A and hepatitis B. And then I know you and I before this were kind of talking a little bit offline about um, the shingle shot. And I think that's a really important one as well. And shingles is really painful. Yeah. So, you know, shingles is uh, essentially reactivated uh, chickenpox virus. 
Um, and so, you know, most individuals, if you look at our senior population, 90, 99% um, probably had chickenpox, even if they didn't know they had chickenpox when they were little, they did. And so we have this long lasting immunity to chickenpox. But what we found is that that immunity kind of goes away as you get into your senior years. And so it, the, the chickenpox virus can become, uh, can, was dormant and can reactivate itself and cause shingles, which is very, very painful, very uncomfortable, and can actually last for quite a while. And so we really recommend that people who are eligible, anyone over the age of 50, get the shingle shot. And Olivia, as you think about all of these vaccines, are your patients up to date and do you keep track of that? So we do keep track. Um, in the state of Florida where I'm working, we have uh, like a, essentially a portal, Florida Shots, where we can see all of your past immunizations in the state, so even your childhood ones. Um, so we try to keep us up to date and keep on top of it. But if you ever have any questions about what you're eligible for, just ask your doctor. That's that one question, Michael, that no one knows the answer to. When did you get your last tetanus shot? Boy, I don't remember. Yeah, that I mean that happens a lot. I actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear people. I actually have to remind myself as well. Exactly. Say thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for being here. And on behalf of Docs in a Pod and uh, Olivia Raman, we appreciate you joining us on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra. And associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.